Hebrews chapter number two. Hebrews chapter number two. Uh, I don't know if you have been enjoying the Hebrew study, but I sure have. I sure have. It's been a blessing. Been a, a, a blessing. Uh, we are in Hebrews chapter number two tonight. Uh, the very first word is therefore, which means it's connected to what we done read, right? Now, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read just a little bit in chapter one, okay? Just a little bit in chapter one, uh, because I'm going to give you what it's connected to, and then we'll go right into chapter number two. If that makes sense, say amen. Let's read, let's read verses one and verses two in chapter one, and then go into uh, chapter two, verse one. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. All right. God, who at sundry times, meaning several times, different ways, uh, in divers' manners spake, God spake. Say that with me. God spake. God spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Hath in these last days spoken. He's spoken to us by his son. son. Okay, God in the past spoke by the apostles and by the prophets and, excuse me, not the apostles, by the prophets in the Old Testament. But now, now he's spoken to us by his son. Now go back to chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, therefore, okay, y'all with me say amen. amen. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was, remember chapter one, Spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, the disciples. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity of being in your house tonight. Thank you for the word that is edifying to us. Thank you for the word that is convicting to us. It's challenging. It, uh, Lord, it lays us bare and shows us where we really need uh, your attention. And God, I pray that you'll touch every person in here. I pray that you'll touch those who are uh, watching online. I pray that you'll be with our family in Fairview. I pray, Lord, that as we all gather around your word, we're, we're gathering around the supper table tonight, Lord. And I pray that we can feast on your word and grow and develop Lord, we pray. We pray for those that are broken and discouraged. We pray for those that are drifting and, uh, Lord, are in, headed in a, in a bad direction. I pray that you'll turn them around. pray that you'll challenge them tonight, Lord. We pray for those that are sick. Uh, Lord, we have many that are out sick and, and struggling. I pray that you'll touch them. Lord, we pray that you will be with our leaders and, uh, Lord, what's going on in the world today. I pray that you'll be uh, with Israel, uh, Lord, and what they are dealing with right now. I pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I pray that your perfect will be done. God, I pray that tonight you will help us get closer to you than we've ever been before. Lord, don't let me say anything I shouldn't, and don't let me forget anything I should. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Touch my heart and my mind and the words from my mouth. And God, we will give you all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor. 
In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. As a very, very brief uh, review of the book of Hebrews for you guys that are new to this study, uh, the writer is writing at a time before the destruction of the temple. So this is happening a little bit before 70 A.D., uh, we know the temple is still standing because of some of the language it is used during this book. And uh, we know he is writing to people who are being tempted to go back into Judaism. So specifically, the, the crowd that he is addressing are Christian Jews, all right? Christian Hebrews who have come out of Judaism, come out of temple worship. They have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. They have put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and now they are following him. But there's only one problem. They are being uh, persecuted. They are struggling in their faith because of the, the difficulties they are going through. And they are being uh, taught by false teachers who says, not only do you have to put your faith in Christ, but you have to uh, be circumcised too. You have to follow the law of Moses. They were trying to mix works and grace together. And that does not happen. It's all grace. Say amen. amen. So they were, they were tempted just like we are many times to, to mix in legalism with their Christianity. Uh, that mixed tradition with their newfound faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, and, and, and he says, no, we can't do that. We cannot go back to where we came from. And, and over and over and over and over, as you've already heard earlier, uh, listen, he is helping them understand that what they have now is better than what they had then. Jesus is better what you have in Christ is better than the old covenant. He's better than the old way. He's better than the angels. He's better than the prophets. He's better than the law. He's just better. Amen. And hold fast. Hold fast the profession of your faith. And so the whole book of Hebrews is about encouraging these people to hold on. Don't go back. Don't listen. Don't fail in your faith. Don't falter. Don't get, don't get weary. Don't get wobbly in your faith. Say amen. amen. Listen, uh, uh, Margaret Thatcher, Margaret Thatcher, uh, addressed George Bush, the first, the very first one, uh, and during the, the Gulf conflict and what was going on there in Kuwait and everything. And they were, they were talking about an embargo and something that they were going to do. And George Bush was going to stop the embargo and let them, let them go on through. And Margaret Thatcher told him, listen, this is no time to get wobbly. In other words, this is no time to, to waver on your faith. We need to hold fast church. Say amen. amen. And so in the chapter verse, chapter one, we learn that Jesus is God. He is divine. He is divine and he's better than the angels. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now you remember, you remember that the, the Jewish people, they loved angels. They, they, they held angels in high regard because the angels assisted in the delivering of the law. And I'm going to read two or three verses that'll help back that point up here in just a minute. But because of that, they held angels at a high esteem, but they looked at Jesus as just a man. Well, 
the writer is helping them understand that Jesus is better than the angel. I know you hold them in high esteem, but Jesus is better than the angels. Church, say amen. amen. And there was a time. There was a time that God did speak to us through the prophets. Thank God for the prophets. Thank God for the Old Testament scriptures. Thank God for his word that he gave us. But now, now he has spoken unto us through his son, his son. His son. All right. Now, chapter number two, what is the title? Uh, we know the ultimate title of the whole series is the preeminence of Christ. But what title did I put on your notes today? Everybody say it. Better watch yourself. Now, here we're going to find in chapter number two, we're going to find the very first admonition that the writer gives to the Hebrew people. There are five of them. As we go through the book of Hebrews, you're going to find there's five encouragements, admonitions, warnings. If you want to use the word warnings, I choose, I like encouragement or admonition. Uh, and, and we will see that the whole book, the whole book is an encouragement. It's an admonition. Let me show you. Let me show you. Hebrews 13, 22. Hebrews 13, 22. It's right there in your notes at the top. Uh, I beseech you, brethren, suffer the word of what? Exhortation. Exhortation. Suffer the word. In other words, this letter, this letter is a word of exhortation. And the word suffer there means to bear with. He says, listen, basically, if I was, if I was saying this, I'd say, look, man, I'm writing this for your benefit. Don't be upset with me. Suffer with me. Bear with me a little bit and know I've got your best interest at heart. This is a letter of encouragement. If that makes sense, say amen. So the whole book is encouragement. The whole book is admonition. The whole book is exhortation. Now the word admonition since we're going to use that word a little bit, it means a gentle reproof, counseling against a fault, instruction in duties, caution, direction. So that's what we're looking at today. Hebrews 1, Hebrews 1, 1 through 2, watch this now. God, this is at the beginning. Chapter 1 is the what? The beginning. Say it with me. The so we're going to see what he says in the beginning, and then we're going to see what he says at the end, Right? In the beginning, he says, God, who at sundry times and divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. Now, what do you use when you speak besides your mouth? I'm not talking about your mouth, but what do you use to, to, to communicate with? Words, right? He has spoken his word, right? His word. Now. Watch this. Look at the end of Hebrews. Look at the end of Hebrews. Hebrews 12, 25. See that ye refuse not him that what? Speaketh. Speaketh. So here's the writer. Here, here is the book. Here is the book. I mean, we can sum up the whole book in these two sets of verses. God has spoken. Better pay attention. All right. We're going to pray and be dismissed tonight. You know, that's not true, but really that's the whole book. God has spoken. You need to heed what he says. God has spoken. Don't refuse. He who has spoken, God's got a word and we need to pay attention to his word. 
And all, now watch this, every single admonition, all five that you're going to find periodically through Hebrews as we go through it, all five have a connection to his word. All five of them do. And it's amazing. It's amazing that all of their problems, all of their problems are a result of their treatment of God's word. Wow. Wow. Their treatment of God's word. See, this is, this is very important. This is very important. And how we treat this word, this Bible that you have in your lap will greatly determine your spiritual walk in your spiritual life. And listen, your spiritual life will greatly affect your, your overall life, your physical life. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, so can we all agree? Can we all agree that all of Hebrews is a word of encouragement? All of Hebrews is uh, him saying that God has spoken. Let's pay attention to it. Don't neglect the word, right? And so, so now let's, let's dig in a little bit tonight. Let's dig into the first admonition. The first warning that we find here in chapter number two. Let's look in verse, verse number. Well, let me give you, let me give you all five of them. And then we'll start with the first one. That way you can fill in your blanks. There's, there's five. All right. First we find there's drifting from the word. Drifting from the word. That's what we're going to cover tonight. We're going to cover the first one. Then as we drift from the word, we begin to doubt the word. Write that down. We begin to doubt the word. When we start doubting the word, we become dull to the word. There's a dullness. And all these are in Hebrews. I'll give you the chapter and verses where they're at. In other words, it becomes, it becomes very difficult to get anything out of it. And I'm not saying because it's in Old English or it's King James or the Bible. I mean, let's face it. The Bible is difficult sometimes as you study it. Uh, there are some chapters I got to read 20 times before I can really get it figured out and so forth. And I'm not saying that. I'm talking about you will get into a place in your spiritual walk with God that everything you read you, 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 you can't get anything because there's a spiritual dullness that's there because of where you're at in your Christian walk with God. Then there is a despising the word. That's chapter 10. You begin to despise the word. Every time the preacher preaches, you get upset. You get mad. You read a verse and you don't like it. And then it turns into de- defying the word. Defying the word. In other words, I know God said this, but I'm going to do this. You willfully defy God's word. Now I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Well, you must not be a Christian then. How many of y'all had a parent? How many of y'all, they gave you explicit directions how many of y'all didn't do that? Does that make you not a child? You're still their child. But see, now they're going to beat the devil out of you. Are y'all with me? 
See, we get all caught up in this thing. Well, how could a Christian do that if they're a Christian? Because they're human. Becoming a Christian doesn't make you perfect. It makes you forgiven. And you're changed. But listen, there, there can be a place of failure and you can do stupid things. Ask David. Ask Peter. Listen, anyway, are y'all with me? But watch what happens when you do. We'll get that in just a minute. Now, so we have, we have drifting, doubting, dullness, despising, and defying the word, right? You see how every single one of these uh, admonitions are connected to God's word and your treatment of God's word. If that makes sense, say amen. All right, here's what we're going to do. Let's jump into the first one. Let's jump into the first one. Let's start digging now. Chapter number two, verse number one. Let's look at the very first admonition. Therefore, therefore, and what I did, I just wrote words down in your notes. I wrote words down uh, that we found here. And I either said what it meant to me as I was studying it, or I just gave you the defined definition there. All right. So we'll look at it, kind of do like a little running commentary through the first verse here. Okay. So first of all, write this down. Number one, we see the concern in the exhortation, in the admonition, we see the concern. Number one, the concern. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. So here's what I did. As I was reading this several times, I went back and I looked at that first word, therefore. All right. When I see the word, therefore, it tells me. What, what does it say in your notes? This section is tied to the. So I go back. I go back to the last chapter. Therefore means I got to read what it's. There you go. Y'all picking it up. Amen. So what did he say in the first chapter? He said, God spoke to us by the prophets, but now he's speaking to us by his, his son. Okay. Then as we keep reading, therefore, right. Because he is speaking to us through his son, he has spoken to us through his son. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Now, we, therefore, it's connected to the last chapter. We, when I see the word we there, and, and by the way, by the way, you say, what's a big deal? Why is the, just one word we important? Because it helps you, it helps you understand that there are people that teach different things about this chapter. There are people that will teach, okay, he's speaking to lost people. Then there are people that, are, he, he, that, that, that try to teach that he is, he is warning people that they could lose their salvation. These are two different uh, uh, teachings or doctrines that people have tried to bring about. And good people too. There are good people that disagree with this. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. But let me tell you what I truly believe this is teaching. He says this, therefore, we, all right, we know that the writer is a a saved, genuinely saved, born again Christian. He is writing scripture for God's sakes. Amen. So he includes himself in this admonition. So what is he saying? When he says we, he says, I even mean me. I need to do this. So we know he's not talking to a lost person. Without a doubt, we know he's talking to saved people. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. Now, now, so 
we see he's including himself in this admonition. All right. The word ought, the word ought to be held or bound in duty or moral obligation. In other words, this is an obligation that we have more. The word means greater in quality, degree or amount. Earnest, ardent, eager, zealous, intentional, fixed. Heed means caution, care, notice of, to observe. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Then we have this. Okay. It's connected to the last chapter. We, he's including the writer. So we're talking about believers. We have an obligation to pay closer attention. In other words, they paid real close attention to what the angels gave them at Mount Sinai, but we should pay even closer attention to what Jesus gave us in the New Testament. Amen. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Watch what he says. Watch what he says. What are we, what are we to pay closer attention to? What are we to be more eager and cautious to, to, to be careful and, and pay attention to? The things that we have heard. And what things have they heard? The words of Jesus. The words of Jesus. Now, so what did Jesus say? What did Jesus say? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's not going to the temple. It's not, it's not offering a sacrifice. He said he is the final sacrifice. He is the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Watch this right here. Watch this. Everybody pay attention. Watch this. What did Jesus say? What did he say to the woman at the well? The woman said, we think we're supposed to worship in this mountain. And them Jews say they're supposed to worship in that mountain. Well, Jesus, I tell you what, there's coming a day. You're not going to worship in this mountain. Watch. Nor at Jerusalem. In other words, there's coming a day. There's not even going to be a temple on the temple mount. Because everything is going to be focused on him. Are y'all with me? Jesus had already told him, this is going away. There is, listen, the old covenant is past. Behold, there's a new, a new covenant. He gave him the new covenant uh, on the, on the, the night of the last supper. Are y'all with me? We got all things are new. You, You mean to tell me I don't have to. I don't have to offer a lamb anymore? No. You mean to tell me I don't have to go to the temple anymore? No. You mean to tell me I don't have to have an earthly priest anymore? No. That's the words of Jesus. But see, they were being told by other people. Nope, you still got to go. Nope, you have, to, you have to be connected to the temple. You have to, you have to keep following the law. The law of Moses. And he is saying here, you need to pay attention to what Jesus said. You need to give the more earnest heed to what Jesus said. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. Now, why? Why? What's the, what's the, what's the concern? What's the concern? Lest, because if we don't, if we don't, remember we, He's including himself. Lest at any time we should let them what? Slip. Slip. Now I want you to, I want you to look at the the Greek word. You don't have it with you, but I got it right here. 
It's, <laughs> I hope I can say it right. Para rueo. Para rueo means to drift away. It means to drift away. So somewhere in there, I want you to see it. You see it in the last, last H there. Slip. When he says we should let them slip, it means literally to what? Drift away. The idea, the, the word that's used in the Greek is the idea of a ship that's drifting from its moorings. Its anchor has slipped or, or the anchor is not put down. And because of the wind or because of the current, it's drifting. It's drifting. Now, let's talk about that just a minute. What is he saying? We need to really be careful we need to be really careful to take heed to the word of God, because if we don't, it is very easy to drift from them, to drift from them. And, and the, just the word drift, it, 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 is, it is drifting, when you think about it, it's silent, it's subtle. I mean, it doesn't just happen all of a sudden. You, 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 don't even, you don't even realize it's taking place. I have, seen, I have seen people who were in church. They were in the choir. They were in ministry. They were volunteering for everything in the world they could volunteer for. They never missed a beat. If we had it, they were here excited, telling everybody in the world about Jesus and about temple and about church. And, 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 and then at a moment of time right now, you couldn't find them if you tried. But it took a while. And it happened slowly. It happened silently. It happened subtly. And what makes it so dangerous is because it begins to happen and you don't even know it. It begins to happen and you don't even know it. You're still going to church. You're still singing the songs. But things start to change. You begin to drift. You begin to slip. Maybe you're not as cautious. Maybe you're not, you're, you're not paying as close attention. Maybe you're letting a few things slide here or there. But you're slipping. And, and you're drifting away. And it's so dangerous. He said, be careful. Be careful. You should pay more attention. You should take greater heed. Because I'm concerned, this is what the writer's saying, I'm concerned that you are, drifting. come on everybody, say it with me. I'm concerned that you are drifting. drifting. Me and my father's been fishing before. We, we used to go saltwater fishing a lot. And there's currents that's there in, in, in the river and in the, in the inlet and in the ocean. And, and you'll put the anchor out you'll put the anchor out to hold yourself over the fish, over the reef or over whatever it is, the wreck that you're trying to fish. And man, you get there and you're enjoying yourself. You're cutting up. Maybe you're catching a fish here or there, not paying attention. All of a sudden, you're not catching anything. Everything looks the same. 
They just ain't biting. Well, he must not be biting. All of a sudden you turn around and look and you look at the cleat. There's a cleat on the front of the boat where the rope is to be tied and it wasn't tied right. And, and, and you could see the rope going out just real slowly, not, not fast, but just real slowly. We never even, we never even caught it. We never even realized it the whole time we had been drifting. drifting. So there's the concern. The concern in the first admonition is I'm afraid you're drifting. If you don't, if you're not careful, you're going to drift. But then I want you to write this. I want you to write this second word. I want you to see. We see the concern, then write this down. I want you to see the caution, verse 2. The caution. Why should we pay close attention to what the Son of God says? For if the word, verse 2, for if the word spoken by what? Angels was steadfast. And every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. Here's the caution. The concern is you're going to drift away from the word. You're going to drift away from what you've heard and what you know and what you've put your belief in. He said, but let me tell you something. Let me caution you. Because if the word said by angel, now what word is he talking about? What word is he talking about? He's going back to Mount Sinai. Let me show you a few verses. Let me show you a few verses in your notes. Deuteronomy 33, 1. When, when, when God came to Mount, how many, how many of y'all remember that, that, that God took and delivered the, the nation of Israel out of Egypt, led them through the wilderness to Mount Sinai. At Mount Sinai, he gathered them together and he came down on the mountain to meet with them, to give them his instructions, to give them the law, to help them develop, to be his people. How many of y'all remember that? Say amen. amen. That's what this verse is talking about. That, that situation, that experience. It says, the Lord came from Sinai and rose up from Seir unto them. He shined forth from Mount Paran and he came with ten thousands of his saints. That's talking about angels. Those words saints there is in reference to angels. From his right hand went a fiery law for them. So when he came, when he came, he came with his. Come on, everybody. It's not complicated. Here here we go. Say it with me. Come on. He came with his. Angels. So God and his angels are on Mount Sinai. Now watch what it said. Psalm 68, 17. The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them as in where? Sinai. Sinai. In the holy place. Now watch. Now watch. Watch what Stephen says. Stephen, y'all remember he's preaching. He's fixing to be martyred. They're fixing to stone him. And this is what his accusation to the people who, who rejected Christ. Look what he says. Acts 7, 53. Who have received the law. Where did they get the law? Sinai. Sinai. Sinai, right? Who was on Sinai? God and his. Angel. Now watch this. Who have received the law by the disposition. I looked that word up. means arrangement. Of what? Angels. And have not kept it. He said, you, you got the word of God, the law from the angels, 
and you haven't even kept it. Now we know, we said it earlier, that the, the Jewish people, they, they revered angels because in their heart and their mind, they knew that the angels assisted them in getting their law. And they loved their law. They, they reverenced their law to the point that they worshiped, which they shouldn't. You should worship the lawgiver, say amen. amen. Yeah. But because of this, they revered highly. They revered highly the word. The law given at Mount Sinai that came through the angels. So that's what he's talking about. He said, let me tell you, let me tell you how much you should pay attention to what Jesus said. Because if what the angel said back in the Old Testament, Mount Sinai, in other words, the law that they gave him, because this is what happened. God not only gave them the law, but he gave them what would happen if you did not follow the law. Are y'all with me? He, He told them what would happen if they did. And he told them what would happen if they didn't. There would be punishments. There would be things that would happen if they didn't. Some punishments, they would have to bring a sacrifice. They would have to do certain things. And and some, you were stoned. You were killed for disobedience and rebellion. Now, watch what he says. He uses two words. He uses two words. Look what he says. Verse number, what verse are we at? Two, every transgression and disobedience. Now, the word transgression would be a sin of commission. All right. Transgression is a sin of commission. Disobedience is a sin of omission. Now, what's the difference? A sin of commission means I committed it. I did what he told me not to do. do. Okay. A sin of omission is I didn't do what he Does everybody understand that? Y'all, y'all, see, y'all see the difference. There were sins of commission. There were sins of omission. That's what these two words mean. Now watch what he says about it. He said, if the, if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. I want you to write these three words down. First, the speaker. The speaker. It was the word spoken by who? Angels. Angels. Now, you remember what he said? You remember what he said in the first verse? He said, you ought to pay closer attention. You ought to pay closer attention. Why? Because Jesus is more important Then the angel. All right. Y'all with me? And and I'll come back to that. I'll come back to that. So write that down. The speaker. Then I want you to write this word down. The surety. The surety. If every word spoken by angels was what? Steadfast. In other words, it came to pass. If they said it was going to happen... It happened. If they said that you were going to be judged, you were judged. If they said you were going to be punished, you were punished. If they said in in the law that you would be blessed, you would be blessed. Go through all the prophets, go through the old, all the old Testament, every single thing that God said through his angels to his people, it came to pass. Are y'all with me? 
Now, I want you to write this down. The severity. We see the speaker, the angels, the surety. It was steadfast. If they said it, it happened. You could bank on it. Then the severity. He said this. Every. Every. Say that with me. Every transgression and disobedience, every sin of omission, every sin of commission. What does that tell me? They didn't get away with nothing. Nothing. If they disobeyed, they got what was coming to them. That's, that's basically what that phrase there, a just recompense of reward. I know we don't use that terminology today, but basically they got what was coming to them. That's what that means. They got, basically, they got what they rightfully deserve. Are y'all with me? Say amen. We see, we see the concern. I need you to pay attention. I need you to give a more earnest heed because I'm afraid if you don't, you're going to slip. You're going to drift. And let me tell you something. Here's the caution. And let me tell you how dangerous that is. Because if everything that them angels said on Mount Sinai was going to happen and it happened just like they said it was going to happen. And every sin, every disobedient act, every sin of commission, every sin of omission. Hello? If they got what was coming to them, if everything, if they reaped what they sowed, y'all see this? That leads us into verse three. What was, what was verse one? We see the, the concern. He was concerned that they were drifting, that they were, listen, they were not taking heed to the word. All right. So we see the concern. In, in, in verse 2, we see the caution. the caution. He said, let me warn you, man. Do you understand what happened in the Old Testament? Hello? Yeah. And if that happened with what the angel said, how much more with what the Son of God has said? Yeah. Are y'all with me? Yeah. Y'all, see, y'all see how this is developing here? Right. Now I want you to look at this. I want you to look at number three, the cause. The concern is drifting. Now he's going to give us the cause. The cause of drifting. Look what he says. Look what he says. Verse number, verse number three. How shall we escape? I can answer that. We ain't. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? How shall we escape? This is the, this is the, the cause of the concern. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Drifting was the concern. Neglect was the cause. Say that with me. Drifting was the concern and. All right, everybody say it real loud. Help me, help me uh, online. Help me, help me Fairview family. Help me say it real loud. I need everybody say it with me because this is, this is so big. This is the point. This is the point of the admonition. So we need to get this. Say it with me real loud. Drifting was the concern and 
Neglect was the cause. What does neglect mean? It means carelessness. Neglect means to fail, watch this now, fail to care for properly. Care for properly. Failure to maintain. Failure to maintain. Now watch this. What, is it, what does it mean to neglect? What do you have to do? This is, how, this is why it's so dangerous. What do you have to do to neglect something? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. You can neglect your car. Neglect changing that oil for a couple years. If you neglect your car, what's going to happen? If you neglect your house, what's going to happen? If you neglect your, your marriage, if you neglect your business, if you, if you neglect your children, if you neglect your own body, your physical body, it, it's going to break down. And neglect means to do nothing. It means to a failure to care properly for it. A, a failure to maintain now, let me, let, me, let me help you with something because this is, this is really going to make sense. Neglect what? Nothing. Neglect what? If, if, if neglect is going to cause drifting, what is it that we are neglecting? Write this down. Christianity. Just write that down and let me explain. Your, specifically, your... Christianity, your Christian walk. Now watch, now watch this, this Philippians is going to help you understand this verse because there'll be people that tell you, how shall we escape if we neglect salvation? In other words, if we reject the salvation that Jesus offers, how shall we escape hell? But that's not what he's talking about because he's talking to believers. He's talking to people who have received the gospel and receive salvation. So what is he meaning here? I believe, I believe if we read Philippians, we can, we can better understand what he's talking about. What does it say in Philippians? In Philippians chapter number two, verse number 12, wherefore my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, read it with me, work out your own with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. There's that word salvation. Now, does that mean that we have to work for our salvation? No, we know that's not true because the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we know we can't work for our salvation. What is he saying? When you get saved, you need to work out what God has worked in. 
For it is God that worketh in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. When God gives you salvation, you have it now. It is a gift of God. You own salvation. He puts something in you that he wants you to work out. Are y'all with me? You have something. It's your Christian walk. It's your faith. It's something that's precious to you. It's your Christianity. And when he says this, he says, we are neglect. How shall we escape if we neglect our salvation? He's not saying neglecting the gospel. He's saying you're neglecting what you have. Your Christian walk. He's not saying rejecting. He's saying neglecting. In other words, if, if my father gave me, if my father gave me a bicycle, brand new bicycle, and I just left it out in the rain and out in the weather, what am I doing? I'm neglecting the gift that he has given me. It is mine. I received it, but how am I treating it? Does that make sense? You have a gift. You have a salvation, your Christianity, your walk. You mean to tell me I'm supposed to maintain it? That's exactly what I'm telling you. You don't just get saved and everything happens all by itself. Your Christian walk doesn't develop by itself. The, the, the time goes by, that doesn't develop you. Are y'all with me? Let me show you. Let me show you. Some of y'all looking at me funny. Watch what it says. Jude verse 20. Jude verse 20 says, but ye beloved, what's the next two words? Oh, you don't have that, do you? (laughs) Trust me, it's there. I got it right here. All right. Jude verse 20, just write it down and I'll read it to you. Jude verse 20, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Ephesians chapter four, Ephesians chapter four, what does it say? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. God has given gifts to certain leaders in a church to do the work of the ministry, which is the edifying of the body of Christ. What does the word edify mean? Build up, up, right? Come on, build up. Now watch. Till we all come in the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the son of God into a perfect man. The word perfect doesn't mean without flaws. It means complete, finished, mature, right? So we, we come to church to be built up, to build up our faith, build up our knowledge, build up. Are y'all with me? Our most holy faith. So that watch this. Now this makes so much sense. What was the, what was the concern? What was the concern that we are? Drifting, drifting, drifting. Watch this now. Why should we be built up? Why should we be edified? Why should we put ourselves under teachers of the word of God so that we can grow and be edified? Watch this now. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. What makes the boat drift? The wind, the wind. And he said, there's so many believers who are not being edified. They are not building up their cells in their most holy faith. They are neglecting their salvation. They are not maintaining. They're being careless. They're not reading their Bible. They're not going to church. He even says it here. Don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together. They were doing that. 
You don't just get saved and everything's perfect now. You got work to do. You can't neglect it. Do you realize that you are in a wicked, wicked atmosphere all the time, a wicked culture as a child of God? You are constantly going against the flow of society, against the flow of the culture, against the flow of Satan. And if you just do nothing, you're going to go and drift with the tide. Are y'all with me? Say amen. What do you got to do? Just do nothing. Just do nothing. I heard a prayer, a prayer request this week. I heard a prayer request this week. Said, man, I've just been in a funk lately. And I hadn't even been reading my Bible, my devotional time. Hmm. Wonder if there's a connection. Exactly. Say, what was he doing? Neglecting. Nothing. You mean I got to make an effort? You know why we neglect? We don't take it seriously. There is so much apathy in the American church today. So much apathy. But keep in mind that we are in the Laodicean church age, which means lukewarm, not hot, not cold. And God says it's blah. I'll spew thee out of my mouth. Listen, let's hurry. Neglect. Neglect. I... I've got just a couple of things I want to give you before we jump to confirmation. Now, don't we have time? Maybe, maybe. Here's some things that will cause us to neglect our salvation, not maintain it. And when I say maintain, guys, make sure you understand, I'm not saying maintain it, meaning to keep it. I'm saying to get the best out of it. Does everybody understand that? Yeah. Okay, keep, keep that in mind. An out-of-control schedule. An out-of-control schedule will cause neglect. One of Satan's greatest weapons against our generation seems to be his ability to make good people busier than ever before. We so often sacrifice the best things in life by spending time doing things that are just pretty good. One of the biggest things you, you ask people, did you do your devotional time? Have you spent time in prayer? Have you spent time in the word? Well, I just didn't have time. An out of control schedule. Number two, misplaced affections. Misplaced affections. First John 2.15 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. Right? He said, if we love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Be careful not to set your heart on things that really don't matter. Amen. Can I tell you how many times I've seen good people lured away from church life because they've fallen in love with things or activities that have no eternal merit. For example, children's sports, 
They can be thrilling, and I loved them. I loved going to them. I loved rooting for them. I loved hollering at the referees. I loved it all. But I'm going to tell you, if those sports begin to adversely affect the spiritual involvement and development of your family, you need to pull the plug. Discouragement, number three. An out-of-control schedule, misplaced affections or priorities. Number three is discouragement. Discouragement. And this is not, not really something that, I mean, I don't wake up in the morning and say, boy, I hope I get discouraged today. I mean, that's not something that you specifically do. But discouragement is real. When the trials of life cause a person to become discouraged, he often begins focusing on the problems and taking his eyes off of Christ. It reminds me of when Peter walked on the water. He did it great until he looked, he took his eyes off Jesus and began to look at the waves beneath him and the clouds above him. So what does he say in Hebrews 12? He says, looking unto Jesus. Say that with me. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, consider him lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. In other words, keep your focus on him. If you find yourself getting discouraged all the time, get in the word and talk about him and, and, and read about him and learn about him. Focus on him. Don't focus on the ways. Focus on the wave walker. Say amen. Number four, abundance. You got a bunch of stuff. I will have to say, our attendance was the very best when, when, when the economy was terrible. I'm just saying. During the 2008, how many of y'all remember 2008, how awful that was? That was some of our best attended services. You couldn't afford to go nowhere. <clears throat> so you had to come to church. Or maybe we were scared to death. And we came to church to ask God to help us. You know, I think sometimes God allows troubles to come because he hadn't heard from us in a while. Jesus, take the wheel. Come on. Don't get mad. People of abundance often choose recreation over worship. In Timothy, Paul told him that the love of money is the root of all evil. There's nothing wrong with having stuff. But boy, when that stuff has you. Then sins. What did he say in Hebrews 12? He said, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, right? He said, let us lay aside every weight and the sin. Say it with me. And the sin that does so easily beset us. Easily beset us. Listen, these things will cause us to neglect our salvation. So, neglect what? What I give you? What's the answer? A, neglect what? Christianity, our our walk with God, our, our Christian walk, our Christian life. Then, escape what? How shall we escape, he says? What are we escaping? How shall we escape? If everything got a, a just recompense of reward by what the angel said, how are we... We, fellow believers, going to escape. What are we escaping? What are we escaping? He says and he tells us in Hebrews chapter 12. Turn with me real quick. Turn with me. We got three minutes. Hurry. Turn faster. 
Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to just start reading while you're turning. And ye have forgotten. That's what's wrong with a lot of y'all. You don't forgot. A lot of people that's out of church, they were once on fire for God. And they've drifted so far away. They're so far away from God. They've forgotten this kind of, this verse reminds me of what my mama always told me and my brother. You forgot your daddy's coming home. Anybody ever heard that? Watch. You have forgotten the exhortation. This is verse five, which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening, chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Rebuke is a verbal warning. Chastening is a whooping. Are y'all with me? For whom the Lord loveth, he and scourgeth. Do you know that's the same word that was used for when they whipped Jesus with a cat of nine tails? God says those that he loves, he's going to chasten, he's going to scourge. How many sons? Every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement. In other words, if you claim to be a child of God and you can drift and you can neglect your salvation and you can live like the devil and God doesn't chasten you or scourge you or rebuke you or get your attention, you're a bastard, not a son. And that word means illegitimate. You are an illegitimate. You claim to be a child of God, but in reality, you're not. Because if you were a child of God, God would beat the devil out of you. Are y'all with me? Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection under the father of spirits and what? You know what that means? You know what that means? Look at me, everybody. That means that you could drift so far and God go to every measure to get your attention and you don't come back to him that he takes you home. In other words, you die in early life. There is a sin unto death. There is a certain level, there is a certain place in the Christian walk that they drifted so far that they will not return and they're bringing a reproach on the name of Christ that God will take you home. Paul said in, in talking about the Corinthian church to turn their flesh over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the soul may be saved. That's what we're not going to escape from. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own profit or their own pleasure. But he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but what? Grievous. Nevertheless, after it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Preacher, what are you saying? Do you really think that you're going to drift away and live in a way that's displeasing to your father and him not pull his belt off? Say, preacher, what what will we not escape from? Chastening. Chastening. You see... 
A lot of people, a lot of charismatic people teach a doctrine that says you can lose your salvation. This is their argument. They say, and, and there is no greater book that teaches eternal security than Hebrews. Right. And we'll see that. But they'll say, oh, you Baptists, you believe you can just get saved and do whatever you want and everything's fine. No. Oh, no. no. That's not what the writer's saying. In other words, this is, what, this is what that verse says. This is what that verse says. If they didn't get away with it when the angel said it, you ain't going to get away with it when Jesus says it. Amen. How shall we escape the rebuke? How shall we escape the chastening? How shall we escape the scourging? How shall we escape the, the correction of our father? If we neglect and drift from where we're supposed to be. He's not going to let you. Amen. Let me just tell you right now. He's not going to let you. He is a father that loves his children and he's not going to allow his children to. Because what's the point? Because sin is damaging and destructive and, and is deadly. So he's not going to let you keep messing around out there. That's going to destroy your testimony. Are y'all with me? So. It's. Neglect what? Christianity, our, our Christian faith, our Christian walk. Escape what? The chastening of the Lord. Then he confirmed it. There's a confirmation to what was said by the son. Let me give it to you and just write it down. I, I don't have time to preach it. But he says, these words first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders, with divers, miracles, and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. Say this with me, or write this down. Jesus said it. Jesus said it. The disciples shared it. God the Father supported it. God the Father sent the miracles to confirm... To confirm what Jesus was teaching and what Jesus said. Why should we believe Jesus? Jesus said, well, don't believe what I said. Believe the words that I do. Yeah. Or excuse me, believe the works that I do. Right. If you can't believe what I'm telling you, believe what I'm doing. You see that blind man looking at you? Yeah. <laughs> Y'all didn't catch that. That was like a really good one that I come up with right off the spur of the moment that never happens and y'all didn't even catch it. Did you see that lame man ran past you? Y'all starting to get it now. He said, if, if you can't believe what I say, at least believe what I'm doing. God gave him miracles upon miracles to confirm the words that he said. Are y'all with me? Amen. And by the way, the angels didn't have that. Jesus said it. The disciples shared it. And God supported it. You know, I had to have an S word, but really the better word is confirmed it. Right? Confirmed it. 